Welcome to the Keystone Church Podcast. Keystone Church exists to lead people towards a life that is fully surrendered to Jesus. We hope that this message will encourage you and inspire you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thanks so much for joining us and enjoy this week's message from Pastor Lauren Foster. So we are in week two of a series that we started last week centering around the subject of hope. Everybody say hope. And say it one more time. Say hope. There we go. So we're talking about hope. I think it's an incredibly relevant topic in this season, uh, simply because I have watched as uh, people around me, um, friends, family, fellow believers, it's been difficult to hold on to hope in this season. Because of everything that's surrounding us, I believe everything that we're submersed in every single day, it just feels as if there is a pull and there's a gravitational tendency to want to move away from hope and perhaps kind of get into a place of fear and worry, anxiety, and then maybe for some of us, it's been a place of hurt. And that's what we're going to really lean into here this morning. Some of the questions that I want to hopefully help to answer through the word of God over the next couple weeks is simply this. What do you do when you find yourself hitting a spiritual wall? When with everything in you, you want to believe in the goodness of God, but what you see with your eyes is different than what you want to believe with your heart. Very simply, what do you do when you want to believe that God is good, but life is not? How do we continue to hold on to this eternal hope. And we've been looking through and reading through one of the most raw and honest books in the Word of God, Habakkuk, where this man was dealing with the exact same topic that we are discussing here this weekend. Last week we talked about how do we cling to hope in a seemingly hopeless situation. And if chapter 1 was more about wondering when it comes to what is God up to, what is taking place. Chapter 2, which what is where we're going to look today, is more about waiting. What do we do when we're not sure when the answer that we're believing God for is going to come? Chapter 2, the theme that you could really put together when it comes to this chapter is do not quit on God. Because wondering is difficult. Waiting on God, I believe, is even more difficult. And if you missed last week, let me just give you a little bit of backstory on the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is a minor prophet. He lived and wrote and prophesied about 600 years before the birth of Christ. Most people, they speak to the people on behalf of God. God, Habakkuk spoke to God on behalf of the people because he was frustrated with the way things were playing out. He didn't understand why God was answering and not answering him in the way that he thought that he should. And then at the end of chapter 1, God answers Habakkuk, and you would think that immediately when he receives this answer, it's going to be good news. It's going to be exactly what Habakkuk has been believing for and trusting God for. And in fact, what the answer that Habakkuk receives is, well, I'm actually going to raise up enemies against you, the Babylonians, because I'm going to bring judgment upon the people because of their sin. And Habakkuk, he cannot believe that, that is what, that's the answer that God gave. I mean, he's completely taken off guard. And in fact, if, if 
you wouldn't even believe it based upon the struggle and the wrestling that Habakkuk had to deal with, which we mentioned last week. That's what the name Habakkuk means, to struggle, to wrestle. I even mentioned a story about how I was a part of a, a, a dance group when I was younger that my mom put me in. I danced to a song by Madonna, and I'm not even going to go into it. I can't believe I'm saying it again. I can't believe I mentioned it last week. But it's confusing. We talked about when things are happening in your life that do not make sense. And Habakkuk's thinking to himself, finally, Lord, you're going to come through. But it doesn't happen. It doesn't, it doesn't play out the way Habakkuk initially thought. And if chapter 1 is about wondering, Lord, why don't you do what I want you to do? Chapter 2, Habakkuk is waiting. It's God, when are your promises going to come true. In fact, more specifically, is how do you hold on to hope when you are hurting? That's the, way, that's the question that we're going to be answering here today. And I want to look at three different things that the Word of God tells us to do through this chapter. Three things that Habakkuk does when you're hurting, when you're wondering, and you do not know what to do next. The first thing, if you're taking notes, that we see is that we see Habakkuk is going to listen to God. We listen to the Lord. We put ourselves in a position. And what I like about Habakkuk is that when God's not doing what you perceive that he should do, when he's not doing what you want him to do, some people, they walk away. Some people just fall into uh, the trap of doubt and they get stuck there and they can't move on. Others walk away, they flat out quit on God altogether, but Habakkuk doesn't do any of those things. Instead, he positions himself in the most strategic place to see the hand of God and to hear the voice of God. So verse 1 of Habakkuk chapter 2 says this, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. Really what the scripture is trying to say is I'm going to put myself in the best possible position to see the hand of God and hear his voice. In fact, he says, I will look to see what he, what the Lord will say to me. And this isn't easy when you're hurting. This isn't easy when you're going through a season of pain, because all you want to do is tell God what you want him to do and what he should do on your behalf. In fact, this picture of a watchman in scripture, theologians would say this is comparative to a watchman climbing a tower and they're looking from a, a distance, looking for a vision from God from afar off because they don't know where it's at. They don't know when the Lord's going to answer, but they're watching, they're waiting and in these seasons where at times we could be hurting, you want to tell God what to do. And instead of telling him what to do, it's important that we listen to him. It's important that we listen to the Lord. A few ways that God speaks to us. First, God can speak through his word, through the word of God. When we get into the word on a consistent basis, on a daily basis, he speaks to our life and reveals truth through scripture. If you're, follower, if you're a follower of Christ, I would encourage you to get on some sort of a reading plan, a, something that will take you through Scripture on a consistent basis. I've seen it as fast as 90 days reading through the Word, as long as a year, two years, whatever it is. I would say don't get discouraged. This is, just, this is a side note. It's not even in my notes. But I see so many followers of Christ get discouraged if for some reason they start a plan and they miss a day or they, they were convinced, I'm going to start reading through the Bible in January. And then by January 5th, you've, you've lost your confidence. You've, you've lost track. It's like, oh man, I, I started watching that show on Netflix and then I watched another one. And, and then all of a sudden you get discouraged and you think God's mad at you and you think you've done something wrong. 
And let me just tell you that God's not mad at you. He's not disappointed in you. And you haven't done something wrong against the Lord. The thing that would be wrong for you to do is abandon your time in the word altogether. Start back wherever you left off and just get back into the word. The word says his mercies are new every single morning. Just pick yourself back up. Get started again. Don't get yourself into discouragement or think that someone or the Lord is mad at you because you haven't been in the word as consistently as you would hope. Okay, off my soapbox. I would, I would encourage you, feed on the word. He also speaks to you through his spirit. He can speak audibly. I've never heard the audible voice of God, but scripture records it. I'd like to think that if the Lord did speak audibly, it would sound like Morgan Freeman. I just think that'd be an, that would be very memorable. You would know. You'd think, okay, that's the Lord. He's speaking to us. He can speak through his spirit. He can speak to you and your soul and your spirit in a way that sometimes it could be even louder than if it was an audible. Where you just know the spirit of God is speaking to my life. But we have to position ourselves to be able to hear what he wants to tell us. It's important to know that whenever you feel like the Lord is speaking to you, he will never contradict his word. So you can't get into this place where you think, well, I'm hearing God say something to me, but scripture can't back it up. I'll tell you right now, if that's where you're at, you're not hearing the voice of God. I don't know what voice you're hearing, but it's not the Lord because the Lord will never contradict his word. My wife and I were talking about this earlier this week that uh, we, we would go to a summer camp every year uh, with our church when we were students. And there was about 800 students that would come to this summer camp in Michigan. And one year, uh, my best friend growing up, Mike, he had this following, this, these few girls that were following him around. I'll never forget this. One in the, in the group. She loved God, and she wasn't doing anything wrong, but she thought she was going to eventually date my friend. And she was convinced that during summer camp, God spoke to her and said, you're going to marry this, this guy. And so it was like this, this conversation that started flowing with all of our friends and our friend group. I remember going up to her, and she was like, I'm going to marry him. God spoke to me. I said, girl, he doesn't even know your name. You're not going to marry him. That wasn't the Lord. And it just, I think there are times where we can get emotional. We can feel like, okay, is the Lord speaking to us? A great litmus test is to go back to Scripture be rooted on the promises of God, seek the word, and see if what you are feeling he's speaking to you actually lines up. He can speak through people. He can speak through circumstances. He can speak through a message on a Sunday morning or something that you're watching, some communicator, a pastor, a believer, a friend, where they, just, they, they, they share something with you or to your life, and all of a sudden, revelation is taking place. And I will say to you this as well to encourage you. If he doesn't speak or you feel right now hearing what I'm saying, you think, that's never happened to me, Foster. I've never felt the Spirit of God speak to me. I don't know what you mean. Well, if he's not speaking right now in this moment in your life, don't panic, because just because he's silent doesn't mean that he's absent. It doesn't mean the Lord isn't speaking. It doesn't mean that he's not working. He is always with you. He's always moving in our life, even if it's behind the scenes, when we don't know all that's taking place. Then I believe there are times, just like Habakkuk, where the Lord will speak and he's going to say something that we do not want to hear. How many times have we felt the conviction of the Spirit of God? And let me tell you the difference between conviction and condemnation, just so you know. Conviction always drives you closer to the presence and the person of God. Condemnation always drives you closer to shame and regret. 
It always keeps you in a place where you're in bondage. It always keeps you in a place where you can't dig yourself out of the, the, the place that you feel like you're in. Where conviction, it's always bringing freedom. And that's the difference. And in this place, Habakkuk, he doesn't hear what, what God, he doesn't hear what he believes God should say, but it's driving him and bringing him to a deeper place in his relationship with the Lord. We could look at the Apostle Paul. We could see all throughout the New Testament how Paul had this incredible life of ministry, but there's probably no one that dealt with all the ailments, all the frustrations, all the hurts and the pains while he was doing exactly what God had asked him to do. He had something called a thorn in his side. And scholars would point to this and they would say that they would, they would assume it was an eye disease or a speech impediment or a severe temptation. And there were seasons of pleading in scripture where Paul was saying, God, please take this from me. It's, it, you could tell that it was aggravating him. You could t- tell that it was weighing him down. And the Lord never removed this from Paul's life. And we don't know the reason why. But there are times where I think we will ask the Lord for something, we will pray, and God's answer may be no. But how he responded to Paul is he simply said this, my grace is enough for you. He didn't respond the way Paul thought that he should, but he encouraged him and he gave him his grace. Paul was possibly pursuing God's power, and the Lord said, no, instead I'm going to give you what you need, which is my grace in your life. I think Paul was probably at a place where many of us can get where we feel at times self-righteous when we're dealing with something that's difficult and we're going through a season of hurt. We can maybe say to ourselves, Lord, do you, do you not remember what I've been doing for you? Do you not know how hard I've tried with my family to serve you, to love you, to do what you've asked me to do, and all of this is happening to me right now? It's like, God, just please free me from this situation. When are you going to show up? When are you actually going to move on my behalf? And it's as if at times I think we'll cry out. We're asking for God's power. And the Lord says, no, I'm going to give you your grace. Listen, God is going to give us what we need. In his timing, he will respond. We're going to see this. Number one, we listen in times of hurt and pain. Number two, write this down. We write it down. You write it down, and I'm going to explain exactly what I mean by that. We document it. We record what we feel like the Lord is speaking to us, and this is the very thing that God says to Habakkuk. The Lord replied to him and said this, write down the revelation, make it plain on the tablets. He's saying document it, record it, write it down. Why? Because we have a spiritual enemy whose mission is to steal and kill and destroy. I was flipping through some old journals. I mentioned this a few months ago. I had found some that were in storage. And, you know, when I was putting this message together, I thought about this one particular story. It was back in 2012, about eight years ago. In fact, it was the weekend following the very first message I spoke at the church that eventually sent us before we planted Keystone. So this is eight years ago. I speak on the weekend, and my wife and I, we got in the car Sunday night. I preached Sunday Two, three services, can't remember. We got in the car, we loaded up to drive to Ohio to visit family. And on our way, we were driving through Horse Cave, Kentucky. I will never forget driving through Horse Cave, Kentucky. It's a couple hours outside of Louisville. 
and it was pouring down rain. I was passing a semi-truck going about 75 miles an hour. We were in a Pontiac Bonneville, and I'm driving, and I could feel something with the car wasn't right. And as I'm driving, we're passing this semi, and this is not an exaggeration, one of the wheels broke off of the car completely. It wasn't just a tire that broke off, the whole wheel came off the car. So the, the wheel comes off, we hit the wall on the side to my left, the barrier. Thank God there was one there. I'll tell you the reason why in a minute. Uh, our back tire blew out, and I actually fishtailed and went right across. Uh, th- I went right across the lane, and, and there was a car that, thank God, it wasn't behind us. It had passed us, and we ended up coming to a standstill stop, and not a scratch on us. Nothing happened. I mean, my adrenaline. I just. I remember my wife. She told me she's like, I don't know how in that moment you you steered the car and you didn't hit the rock wall beside us. I said, you didn't realize how strong I was. You didn't realize that that's that's just who I. Am. I just, I proved to you in that moment, but I remember just reflecting after that time, and we actually called a tow, a tow truck the very next day to tow our car. It was completely wrecked and a complete loss, but as we were driving to Louisville for them to tow the car to this repair shop, I was telling the story to this guy who had, had been, he had operated his business for 30 years, and I remember he said to me, I explained to him what happened. He said, never in 30 years I have, I have ever heard a story like this. He said, you should be dead. Your whole family. At the time, my wife was pregnant with our son. Our daughter was in the back. And when we, when we got into the wreck, she was on her tablet or something. She was really young. And we came to a stop. And Lauren and I were like, you know, completely paralyzed. We don't know what to do next. And Emma's in the back. She goes, oh, that was fun. I was like, I love you. Thank you. He shared with me that we shouldn't be alive because of the nature of the accident. He explained all the reasons why it was just, it was the grace of God. And so I remember writing it down. I wrote it down. I came across it in my journal earlier this week, and I I taped the tow truck driver's card in my journal. Why? Because I want to look back and remember Because I want to know that in times of pain or doubt or uncertainty, and listen, we will all get to that place where you know that God is faithful, but in a time of hurt and pain, it's easy to forget. So you write it down to look back. You write it down to remember, because then you can look at that date, September 2012. God, your grace covered me. God, you were merciful to our family. Thank you if you showed up then, you're going to show up now. I know that you've been faithful before. You will be faithful again. We write it down so that we can remember. It's not for the moment that you're in. It's for the moment that's to come when you need to look back. If you were to dig into scripture, you're gonna see this is a record of God's promises. But what I love about the word is it doesn't just highlight the the great and the beautiful moments in people's lives. It records their darkest moments as well. But the greatest thing about the word is that we can look and be encouraged not only for what we're facing today, but for tomorrow, five years from now, ten years from now. I would just encourage you, write it down. Don't let the enemy steal from you what God has given. Whenever the enemy wants to get us into doubt, to fear, to walk away, we go back to what we've written down and say, no, the Lord's been faithful. I remember where he showed up here. He's going to show up again.
We're like Paul and Silas when they were in prison. Long before the shackles came off, we're going to praise God in advance before we see the miracle, and we're going to thank him for his goodness. Listen to what the Lord says and write it down. And then the third thing, this is difficult. This is where it's not that fun for me to even mention. It's where some of you, you're living right now. You listen, you write it down, and then the Lord is going to say, you have to wait. And if wondering is no fun, waiting can seem even worse. We have to wait on the faithfulness of God. We have to wait for the answer. And some of you, you've been praying for something, you believe in God for something, and you're in this season of waiting. We talked about it a few months ago. We did a series about how do we hold on to our joy in seasons of waiting. What, how do you hold on to your hope when you're hurting? When, you, when you're waiting for God to answer. When you're waiting for God to bring freedom. Some of us, were waiting for all of this in our country and our world to end. We're like, God, do you not see what's taking place? Of course he does. But do not underestimate what God wants to build inside you while we are waiting. While we're waiting on the answer in the faithfulness of God. In Habakkuk, the Lord says this, for the, revel- for the revelation awaits an appointed time. An appointed time. God knows when the answer is coming. It's not our job to try to figure it out. Our job is to remain faithful as we wait. In fact, scholars will say that as this scripture was written out, it indicates this, that the message is to be written down because the time of fulfillment has not yet come. But it's, it's written in anticipation. It's like, I know it's coming. Lord, I know you're going to show up. I know you're going to answer me like you did before. You're going to show up again, but I have to wait And the second half of that verse, it deals with impatience because the natural human reaction for all of us is if it seems slow, maybe it's not coming. No, if it seems slow, the answer hasn't come yet, wait for it. Wait for it. Be patient. I love the way the Living Bible translates this verse in the same way. It says this, God says, but the things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, as the time approaches, the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, don't despair. These things will surely come to pass. Be patient. In fact, it talks about at the appointed time in Scripture. That word appointed is is translated as moed, which means you can't stop it. It's the unstoppable timing of God. If it's not God's time, you can't force it. When it is God's time, you can't stop it. His timing is perfect, but we must wait on the Lord. I'm not seeing it, God. It's not coming to pass. My prayers haven't been answered yet. I'm still feeling the anxiety, the weight, the depression. This family member I'm believing that's going to come to Christ one day, it hasn't happened yet. What do I do when I haven't yet seen the answer? I continue to wait. Remember, God's delays are not God's denials. Just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean that God is not going to do it. And then in verse 4 of Habakkuk chapter 2, this is what scholars would say is possibly the most powerful verse in this entire chapter. He says, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness, will live by God's faithfulness. The New Testament talks about the righteous, the people of God, will live by faith. We don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. Our faith isn't based on what we see or what we want or getting our desired outcome. Our faith is based on the character and the goodness and the nature of God. Remember, Habakkuk, it means this. 
It means to wrestle and it means to embrace. It means even in the doubts, even in the difficult seasons, even when we don't know what's coming next, we wait. So we're going to listen to the Lord. We're going to write down what he says to us. And then we're going to wait for his answer. Whenever it may come, trusting and knowing, Moed, it's coming. The unstoppable timing of God. It's on its way. I'll embrace even in the doubts, even in the pain, even when I don't understand. Keystone, if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes with me here this morning. Love to pray for all of us here today. Perhaps you're in a season where it's been difficult. You just know that you've been waiting on God to answer. It hasn't come yet. And perhaps you don't understand why. Maybe a hurt in your life has created a little bit of distance between you and the Lord. Listen, I've been there before, and I know that many of us that are sitting here, we could probably attest to the exact same thing. It's easy in seasons of hurt to distance ourselves from God. This is the very moment that the Lord desires to be close to us, where he wants to speak to us through his word, through his spirit, through someone around us. Maybe for some of us, we've never written down the faithfulness that God has shown in our life. I would encourage you, do it today. Write something down. You will be shocked when you start to write down how God's been faithful in your life, how long that list grows. And when you write it down, you can look back one day when you're in a storm, when you're in a fight, where it feels like everything around you is crashing and you don't have the answers as to what's next. You can go back and you can read about the faithfulness that God had in your life then. And you can remind yourself that he'll be faithful to do it again. Thanks so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified each week as soon as a new sermon is available. We would love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Instagram at The Keystone Church or over on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Keystone Church PA. And of course, for more information, you can visit our website at keystonechurchpa.com.